Well, here we are on a Sunday morning. What time is it? Quarter to 12. If I asked you that in a minute's time, that minute will take a minute to transpire. But depending on where you are in here or in here, that minute could go in a blink or it could take forever. I just want to talk to you about time this morning. And the focus of that is to help us understand things take time to grow. And sometimes our minds stuff around with our sense of time. So let's just look at this little video clip that I found during the week. If you're a devotee of Shrek movies, you'll realise that was the voice from Shrek 2 overlaid onto Thomas the Tank Engine. Some clever side did that. And uh, so... Yes, we haven't got Ringo Starr or whoever it is that um, narrates Thomas the Tank Engine anymore. Anyway, are we there yet? Parents of um, various ages and stages of life, most people who've got kids and had them in the car have had that conversation coming out of the back seat. Are we there yet? Why do kids ask that question? Strap a child in to go down to the supermarket. It's like, are we there yet? No, just put you in the seat. Like, well, drive down the street. Are we there yet? And kids begin to learn that it takes a little bit of time to get down to Coles. So they get that in their head. And then we say, oh, we're going on a holiday to Sydney. Strap them into the seat, drive down the road, get onto the freeway, past Bald Hills Road from Mount Barker. Are we there yet? Like, Sydney's 14 hours away, but in a kid's mind, it's like, what is that? And it got me thinking about time and the fact that time is a really mysterious dimension that's part of being human that um, God's given us the incredible ability to manipulate time now I don't mean um, in the sense even though it's an interesting topic time travel I'm, I'm talking more in the sense of what time actually looks like to us seems to me to vary depending on where we are and who we're with and what we're doing and that Even though it's clear to prove that one second is actually one second, it's actually a a, a measurable, um, uh, what's the word? It's not substance, but a measurable item. It's something that's that's clearly measured. So everything I've got, now we've got technology. Every clock in the building that's lined up with a smartphone will be showing exactly the same time, all the time. It's like, and so we know this tick-tock, one second, split seconds, whatever, one hour, one minute... But we have sayings like this, time flies when you're having fun. It's like, well, why would we say that if it's just one second after another, after another? But we know that time messes with us a little bit. We say things like, I haven't got time. What do we mean by that? Because Julie's one second is exactly the same as mine. Your one day is the same as mine. I haven't got time for that. It's like, no, no, that's not a statement about time. That's a statement about priorities, but it's another topic for another day. I didn't realise what time it was. Well, so in other words, it kind of got away from me. Julie will often ask me questions. You know, we're going out tonight. I need you to be ready. I said, How long will that take you to do that? Oh, an hour. And uh, she comes out an hour and a half later. And I thought you said it could take an hour. Oh, I didn't quite get the estimation right. It's like my ability to discern how long it's going to take to do something is often a little haywire, isn't it, Julie? Mm-hmm. You know, time got away from me. It's like, why would we say that if time is just... Which it is. 
give it time give it time give time takes time to heal there's so many sayings we have in our uh, vocabulary in our vernacular that we, we talk about time as if it is something we can change and it's my position arguing this morning we do and we can this morning I set my alarm for 10 to 7 it went off I hit the snooze button I would swear to you that I literally closed my eyes for 60 seconds just a little bit more 60 seconds turned over looked at my phone 7.15 25 minutes had gone and it seemed in my head like it was maybe 60 seconds and so time flew time goes fast you know when you're doing something you really enjoy it's like seems to go like that and leading up to other things that that you've got to do a lot of work or if this message is already starting to bore you to tears it's a 25 minute message okay but it might feel like three hours but it's not three hours it's 25 minutes but in our head somehow we manipulate time it's just it never ceases to amaze me we can do that but we do some things seem to occur instantly other things take ages some things grow quickly and others grow slowly time's a messy issue Peter in uh, 2 Peter chapter 3 says it this way do not forget this one thing dear friends so this is he's saying this is a pretty important thing to get your head around he says with the Lord a day is like a thousand years a fairly big contrast thousand years that's 360,000 days right yes Mm -hmm. just doing my math on the top and I'll fly verses one so with the Lord one day is like 360,000 days and 360,000 days is like a day in other words if for God time is a let's just say a floating substance it's kind of even though it's finite it's it's actually caught up in our consciousness quite differently than it really is the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness instead he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance so I've noticed that kids however don't actually have a handle on this issue during the week we were um, we look after um, and have some fun times with our grandchildren during the week and one of the three-year-olds in our family who shall remain nameless there's two of them so you, you can pick which one you like they probably both have done this but at three years of age when one has this toy and the other one wants that toy this toy it's like they pick up the whatever it is I want it you can say things like you can have it after they finish with it like there's only going to be another minute just you can have it in a minute or you can have it in five minutes no I want it now there's no concept and I'm thinking are they just being a like a misbehaving three-year-old are they being self-centered yes but that's but actually what they're communicating is they have got no clue what you can have it in a minute means they got no idea we have to teach them to understand what a minute is and at two or three they've got no we're working on it but they have days where they kind of understand oh, okay and there's days when they don't and time doesn't actually work out for them um, and I began to think that through this week as I was thinking about the journey of being a Christ follower and whether we actually spiritually 
So in a spiritual zone, what is time? The Bible tells us for God, a thousand years is like a day and vice versa. We've got to get ahead around the fact that when we want God to do something, sometimes what we're asking him to do, he will do. Because the Bible says he promises to do these things for us. But what's taking time for us is not a time issue for him. But we don't get his time frame. Just like my three-year-old grandchildren don't always understand the time frame of sharing a toy. It's like the time frame doesn't make sense to them. It's like, no, I want that now. Can I have a biscuit? No, you can have one in a minute. I want it now. Can I have one of those? You can have it after you've eaten your dinner. It's like, well, they know dinner might be coming later, but again, I get the impression for a three-year-old, there's really no connection point with anything that makes sense to them about what that actually is. It's like, why can't I have it right now? And I found that tantrum, tantrums in three-year-olds are very good windows into the tantrums of adults who are Christians. And we get a tantrum on with God because we want the promise now. And he's got every intention of us having the promise. He's got every intention of us living with the, the pleasure of that thing that he wants us to have. It's just that we don't get to have it when we want it. And we don't get to see it grow at the rate we think it should grow at. We don't get... And so there's a journey of discovering, as Peter's trying to say, you've got to get this thing sort of nailed. There's going to be times in the journey as a Christ follower where everything seems to be taking forever. It's like, why is it such a drudgery to get through this season? Why is it so darn hard? It's like, for us, it appears to be like God's punishing us or perhaps... I've heard this nonsense. Perhaps God's not happy with us. It's not possible for God to not be happy with us. Let me say that again. It's not possible for God to not be happy with you because Jesus died on the cross. He's not looking at anything that you do that's wrong, and we all do things that are wrong. He's not looking at anything. I say, okay, so let me just check back there. Let's see. Oh, Mel Daddo. Yeah, she, she was... She was just a little bit glum this week. She was supposed to be cheery, but she put on the Southwest face. And she just, I'm, I'm going to give her a hard time next week. God doesn't think like that. Mel might have had a bad day. Mel's dealing with her own problems or whatever they might be. But God's not adding to it, but going, oh, I'm just going to make it even harder for her. He doesn't work like that. But what he does work like out is he might leave Mel to walk through a season of being, just say, jaded or whatever it might be, or sick or whatever. There's a season in which, for his purpose alone, that we don't always get, it's going to take time. It is going to take days. For some of us, it's going to take weeks. For some of us, it's going to take years. Some of us are wondering, well, I've been praying for so-and-so to get saved for 10 years, 15, 20 years. Yeah, and your point is? So what is your point? What's the point of that comment? It's like, well, we, we are a little bit unnerved by the delay. God's not. God's just faithfully, as he is faithful, knocking on the door. As we pray, he knocks on doors. As he, we pray, he keeps knocking on the doors of hearts of people that we care about. And it can take a long time. The kingdom of God comes at a varying rate of knots, I've noticed. Like everything else in life, I can bend time. You can too. You can actually, the Bible's got a story, in, I think it's in Joshua, where the sun stood still for... Um, a day there's an extra day added into it's like all the physicists in the room are going that's not possible it's not possible for the rotating the earth's rotating at a thousand 
miles per hour at the equator. The actions are, we're, like, we're doing, we are spinning right now at a great rate of knots on this planet. If the planet was to stop so that the sun stood still, we'd all be going 1,000 miles per hour. Uh, which way are we rotating? I'm trying to get my bearings here. That's east and west, that way kind of. We, we would be exiting the building through the brickwork with the building. Everything would just go whoosh under momentum. So your physicists are going, well, that's not possible, right? Well, you've gone quiet on me. Right as the question is, yeah, right, we're with you, Pastor, yeah. It's like, left you, I don't know, left, maybe my room and those things are a little bit crazy. But what happens, what could happen, collectively, time could stand still. If I can close my eyes and sleep for 25 minutes and think it's a blink, how, I don't think it's that much of a stretch for me to believe God could just get a whole bunch of, pe- whole bunch of people who think they're living through a day where the sun doesn't appear to me. He's manipulated time somehow. Because that's what he, like 360,000 days is like one. 24 hours of inexplicable change in the way things are. I'm open to the fact that God's able to do that because I know in his image I can manipulate time. I can't change anything to do with the actual quantity of time so a second's a second an hour's an hour a minute's a minute that i'm not saying that but as far as me being in that it never ceases to amaze me how much variation there is and how i feel about what the time actually looks like you know sometimes studying for exams i remember some of those days it's like oh. Um, sometimes going to work if you love your job but there's days when you get to work and it's like you've got something within the context of your job that's going to be a challenge just like fear and trepidation before and then you get into it and it just seems to take forever then other things you do that you love and it's gone in a split second it's like whoa amazing so the point of all this my, my point is this we started last week with this series about the fruit of the Holy Spirit and the fact that even in the natural, things that grow and bear fruit take time. They don't just appear overnight. Some things grow real fast. We've got some agapanthers in our front yard that only another, maybe a week or two ago, were just bushes, just the agapanther thing. With, and within the space of literally a couple of weeks, these stems are growing up with flower heads on them. I mean, it's almost like if you stood there and watched, you'd see it like that. But you get a red gum tree, hey, that. 500 years later, it's still just bit by bit. Things grow at different rates. And so the fruit, it makes it's analogous for me, that analogous. That maybe some of the fruit of the Spirit, maybe all of the fruits of the Spirit, maybe lots of dimensions about what God has for you and me, not only these uh, spiritual fruit, the gifts of the Spirit, sorry, the fruit of the Spirit, but spiritual gifts. Or maybe it's part of the way that you or I are wired our personality our upbringing there's there's a whole journey for us to get things sorted out I've shared before from this pulpit that I was brought up in a negative I think overall a a pessimistic outlooking family so that um, I just accumulated an inclination to be pessimistic if something can go wrong it will go wrong Say at the nine o'clock service, I might have shared this in your hearing over the years because I've been preaching for a long time to some of you. Um, this old family friend used to say something when we used to go to visit him. Mum and dad, they were just really dear friends, but he had a really dark sense of humour and he'd say things like that. It was raining 10,000 room mansions 
I'd get hit in the back of the head with a dunny seat. Uh, you know, it's like, it was like... And we laughed just like that because it's a funny saying. But I didn't realise until years later when we had an episode on a family holiday where I was particularly pessimistic in the Penang airport, just to be specific about the specifics. And, uh, and so this is years and years later. And I hadn't realised that this guy was called... He was Uncle Mac. Uncle Mac's humour had inserted itself into my life. Not maliciously or nasty, but it just swept me to the negative side of the line. And so I was always inclined to get hit with the dunny seat. It's like, it's just going to be what clicked to me. Yeah, that person's going to get that, but I'm not going to. It's like the person in front of me in the queue is going to get on the plane and I'm going to get told it's already been, the gate's closed. It's like, you can't check your luggage in, Mr Williams, because you're late. Like... I'm freaking out on the way to the airport thinking these thoughts. It's like, we're going to get stuck in traffic. The car's going to get flat tire. We're going to get caught up in a crash. It's like, we're not going to crash, but someone else will. We get caught up in traffic jam. It's like, we need to leave two hours early, not one hour early. It's like, why? Because I'm a little bit inclined to think that the airline is not going to let me on the plane. And there is absolutely, honestly, no logic to that whatsoever. And I'm wondering whether... We've all got those, um, just because I don't want to feel lonely, but um, <laughs> those inclinations to be a little bit negative, not so much about cues at airports, but maybe we are expecting God to not put patience or kindness in our life, if that's something we could do with. And for me, I could do with patience in a couple of areas of my life, just saying. I'm a reasonably patient guy, mostly. But listen to this list again. I just want to refresh your memory. This is from Galatians 5.22. Through the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Jesus himself in John 15 uses um, the uh, metaphor of the vine. It's a well-known part of the Jewish narrative in the Old Testament to talk about agricultural things as they were an agricultural um, community, they were an agricultural nation. So things that grew were always helpful for them to understand what God actually gets up to. And so he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. The point of you being here this morning is not to feel, oh, that was such a great church service, awesome, got to go home and just have a good week now. If that was the end, we're sad and sorry set of people. That's a means to an end. You're meant to come out of a church service like this, inspired and empowered and perhaps equipped, uh, healed, restored, delivered, whatever it might be, so that you can bear much fruit. In the community, out amongst your friends who don't know God yet. And so there's an appropriate way to view this is the, the fruitfulness is about the kingdom advancing. He goes on to say, apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. Now, verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now, verse 7 is one that's taken out of context and used by a lot of people to kind of push the faith thing, just name it and claim it. 
just going to claim it in faith. It's like, God will give me what I want because I've asked for it. Well, I've actually found that that rarely happens. And I don't think it's helpful to say to me, you haven't got enough faith, Bruce. That's just not true. I've got, I don't have to have a lot of faith. The Bible just says as long as you've got some, it'll work. So that's not going to help me. So what Jesus can't mean that, well, maybe if I ask for a new house or I, I ask to go and do something different, I've asked for it and the Bible says it'll be done for you. My experience is that doesn't work like that. And so I can't just pretend that that scripture's not there. And I can't, I've got to actually go, well, so what does he actually mean? And in the actual narrative, the, uh, the linguistic device of the Greek particularly, and the way Greek language is assembled, and certainly in the Bible, Bible scholars will tell you this, when, when a topic like verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you, can't stand alone. It can't be taken out of context. And the context it's in is jammed in between verse 5 and verse 8. And both those verses mention you will bear much fruit. So the asking, whatever you wish, is always about fruitfulness. It's always about fruit. It's not about things. It's about fruit. So I'm going to find myself when I am in the vine, when I'm actually connected to Jesus, the things I'm going to ask for, the things that are going to matter to me, are things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Those things need to be growing in our lives. And I hope that you feel that they are. But I want to encourage you this morning to not despair if one of those fruits is kind of in a patch of your garden that's not particularly healthy. It's like it might need to be weeded, it might need to be watered, it might need to be dug over, might need some fertiliser put in it, might need something done to the soil, whatever it is, do it. But remember this, maybe as much as a pumpkin's not a red gum tree, patience and love won't grow at the same time. What if they are so radically different spiritually that one can grow overnight? Be like my acapanthus stalks, they, they grow real quick compared to something else that's going to take decades for it to even get to six foot tall. What if some of those fruits of the spirit, so it doesn't say they won't grow, it just says to me, some of them are going to take a long, long time. So I've discovered for me that patience, and someone said to me after the first service that, you know, don't ask for patience because you really will be tested in the area of patience. Uh, as a joke, but I, I've heard it before. It's like, I've found if I ask for patience, you can guarantee the next season of life's going to be serving up opportunities to not be overly patient. You know what I mean? It's like, so it's even like, so Lord, let the, let the spiritual fruit, the fruit of the spirit of love grow in my life. Guess what will happen? Have a guess. God, God will start sending you some really prickly people. It's like, oh, crikey, okay. Well, what about, what about joy? Well, that could be accompanied by some challenges. Now, I'm not saying it's always met with resistance, but what I am saying is for something to grow, 
it does have resistance. There's a sense in which a plant is actually, it's taking ground, so to speak. It's putting roots down. It's using resources. It's taking nutrients out of the soil. There's, there's an effect, but it takes time. So my questions to close today really are these. How are you handling the waiting part of the things that are yet to come? What have you prayed about over the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years, depending on how long you've been a Christian, maybe longer than that? that you've really felt like, well, I have been waiting and waiting and nothing's changed. How are you doing with that waiting? Is the issue for God not so much the delivery of the stuff or the thing or whatever, but really it's about, has my heart changed at all in that 10 years? Has my disposition towards God shifted? Have I got rid of negativity? I don't want to say to you, for me personally, I think... Pretty much I have got most of my negative disposition out the door. But I can tell you right now there are certain times and places where I get tired or I can get a little bit kind of just under the weather with lots of responsibilities over a season. There it is, this little snapping dog called negativity. What have you given up on that is actually a a slow-growing fruit? Can I encourage you to just keep asking God to water that today? Maybe you wonder, well, that's maybe not going to be my strong suit. Why can't it be? Just because it hasn't been doesn't mean it can be. Or can't be. It can be. Then we move to a couple of other questions to do with the John scripture about the fruitfulness that is about being connected to him. Maybe it's a disconnection issue for you. Maybe a certain part of your life is not as well grafted into his life source as it ought to be. Or maybe you're sitting here this morning and you've never actually been grafted into the vine. You know about Jesus, you can see the vine, but you're not a branch, you're just an observer. He's inviting you to insert your life into the vine. He wants you to actually be grafted in so that you begin to draw life from him. And so it can be a disconnection because it's never been connected or it can be a disconnection that is the result of just pulling away from him. He doesn't force you to stay connected. He invites us to. So can I ask you to stand to your feet this morning and we'll just close with a few thoughts around a prayer and uh, an invitation to connect with Jesus. But I want to invite you, first of all, to just to do a little survey. Just a, a fly over your life, like a, in a little helicopter. Just and You can see a whole bunch of sections of your life quite clearly. What, what does love, joy or peace look like today? Is there healthy fruit hanging off of healthy branches of a healthy plant in your life? Maybe you've got those three nailed. Plenty of love for people, for God, for the community, for people around. you just got this well of joy on the inside. It's like no matter what goes on, you've still got this sense of greatness about life and the goodness of God. Maybe you've got peace. It's a really fruitful and 
loaded tree of peace. So you just know, no matter what comes across the path of your life, you sit back pretty comfortable, not, not sitting back lazy, but I mean able to be just peaceable about it. God's got this. It's okay. I don't understand it, but I'm okay. God's in charge. That fruit, if that's healthy, awesome. But if you haven't got it, why don't you ask for it? Say, Lord, I want that peace that Bruce is talking about to grow in my life. And I just want to, it's not going to get dumped in your life like a load of apples out of an apple truck. It's like it's not this fruit that just rocks up on your doorstep. We're asking God to cause the fruit of peace to grow. Grow up and get into the nitty gritty of our life. But maybe it's patience. Maybe like me, you've got some arenas in your life. You would maybe only to yourself admit, I don't have any patience in that area. Ask God to give you patience in that area and keep the patience tree growing healthy. Or kindness. Some of us live with a huge level of what I call cynicism accompanied by sarcasm. If you're a sarcastic person or a cynical person, you're probably not a kind person. Kindness sort of pushes those things out the door because kindness is motivated completely differently than a frustrated cynic. I just want what's good for you. Kindness is like you don't present as deserving of anything I have, but kindness just lets you have it anyway. Kindness just brings good things into the context. Undeserving as you or I might feel at the time, a kind person brings some relief to our current context just by being kind. It can be a smile. It can be a firm handshake. It can be an arm around a shoulder. It can be a note. It can be an email. It can be a text message. It can be an invitation to go out for a coffee. Kindness. We all need to be showing kindness and we all need to show it. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Kindness and goodness. Very similarly. Just being a good person. I don't mean being a goody two-shoes. I don't mean, so never make a mistake. But just a good spirited. Just good to be around. Be the sort of person who, when you leave Connect Group, other people will go and go, oh, thank goodness they've left. They're sucking the life out of the party. You don't know anybody like that, do you? Yeah. You don't want it to be you. So be good. Add value to people. Be a good person. Let goodness from God grow up inside us. Faithfulness. Be faithful with what you've got. Faithful with your money. Faithful with your relationships. Faithfulness. Faithful with your words. Faithful with your actions. Gentleness and self-control. They're just nine attributes in life that they just bring life wherever they are evident, on their own or all nine together. So let me pray. Father, today, look out over the congregation in this time of prayer. And I ask, Lord, for every fruit of the Spirit that's currently growing in our lives to be watered from on high today. 
Lord, there would be supernatural rain flowing out of heaven over every soul. And Lord, that we today would allow you to highlight one of the fruits or any of the fruits that are in actual disrepair in our lives. The orchards become overgrown and tangled up with weeds. And Lord, right now, I'd just ask that you would help us to clean that vegetation out the way and let the fruit trees grow and flourish in every corner of our lives. So breath of life, breath of heaven, come. Touch every life today in Jesus' wonderful, wonderful name. Holy Spirit, have your way. A little moment like this. For me, I see a picture as you guys are standing there. It's like a sprinkler being turned on on our front lawn when it's gotten dry and a little bit distressed from from neglect. And uh, it's, it's almost like the plants that are in the ground when the sprinkler starts doing its thing. They almost change colour. They look different. And a day or two later, they are different. The water has revived them and refreshed them and renewed them. Just as we were standing there with the team playing this music in the background, I really want to ask you, do you give yourself these sorts of spaces during the week? just where it's you and God just letting him rain on you I can just feel the anointing it's kind of sitting in me at about the top of my ears that's consistent through the building it's over your heads Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love us. That we're precious to you. Pray, Lord, right now in this few moments we're just standing quietly in your presence. That the reign of heaven would bring life to our souls. As we head out into the week ahead, that we would be salt and light. We'd be confident that we're going to walk out of here, Lord, with those fruits in good shape and flourishing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Just want to ask these two questions before we close today. Jesus invites every one of us to connect into the vine. What does he mean by that? What do we mean by that? What I mean by that is there's a moment in time when you would need to know I've become connected to Jesus Christ. The moment we actually believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord is a moment of change. It would be like a dry, great vine cutting that's just been disconnected, being trimmed and inserted into a vine and grafted in by someone who knows how to graft that branch in, branch in. The moment that happens, new life begins to flow in that little branch. The potential of the vine gets into the branch you could do that this morning if you've never connected to Christ he wants you to be grafted into his 
kingdom grafted into his life. It requires a prayer, requires a conversation with God. If you've never prayed a prayer to ask Christ to become your vine, to ask Christ to receive you into his kingdom, then we can pray a prayer together right now to do that. And if that is you, I'd love you to slip your hand up. So I've never prayed that prayer, Pastor Bruce. The way you've described it, it makes sense to me. I actually have a new life source that I get plugged into. Is that what you're saying? I say, exactly. And sometimes we make choices. That has happened to us. We've, we've been grafted into the vine. But we've had a season of life where we've resumed control of our lives and not heard the voice of God, not looked for the voice of God, and we've become disconnected. We'll probably get pruned off. You're not here today because God's thrown you in the fire but you're disconnected, why not ask him to receive you back into his kingdom? You can reconnect with him if you've become disconnected. So I'm asking two questions. Have you prayed a prayer because you've never prayed before? If you've never prayed a prayer, beg your pardon, you could pray a prayer to become a Christian. Or today you could pray a prayer that says, Lord, I'm sorry, I've been stuffing things around. I want to come back to you because I used to walk with you, but I don't and I need to get my life right with you. If that's you, in either of those situations today, I'd love you to slip your hand up and say, Bruce, can we pray that prayer you're talking about? Can we talk to God together? Because we'd love to pray with you and help you have a prayer time with God, conversation where you get this sorted out. If that's you, I need you to put your hand up and give me a wave and say, that is me, Bruce. God bless you. Anyone else? Today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray this prayer together. Everybody, say it after me, okay? Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father I thank you that you love me. I thank you that I've heard your voice. I thank you that I'm free to choose to come to you. And I willingly do so now. I believe Jesus Christ is your son. I believe he died on a cross and that my sin has been forgiven. And because of that, Lord, I repent and say, I'm sorry. Wash me clean. Make me a brand new creation. Establish me in your kingdom. I'm so grateful that I'm grafted in and I'm going to remain in you all my days to bear much fruit to your glory. Amen.